Okay, here we go. Today's daf is daf samach gimel, page sixty three in the hele gimel seches baba kama. We're going to go back. We got on to daf samach gimel. We're going to go back to samach beis amid beis. Uh, quite some ways. Uh, it's worthwhile doing a quick chazara, a quick review, and restarting the sugya, restarting the conversation. We're going to go all the way up, about 10 lines from the bottom to the two dots where it says, Menohani Mili. Now let's remind ourselves, very straightforward conversation. We're in the seventh parak, and this parak is describing the laws of theft. We learned that when you steal something, as a ganav, as an undercover, as a thief instead of a robber, a robber, which means you're undercover, you're going to pay back double. And our Mishnah said that this double payment applies both um, for animate objects as well as inanimate objects. You always pay kefo when you steal something. What about dalibahay? When you pay back four or five times the amount after stealing something, that only applies to animate objects um, like uh, ox and a sheep where you stole it. And then you shechted or sold it. So not only did you steal it, where you got to pay back double, but now you did something to it to make sure the owner never gets it back. But that's only on adamant objects. What our Gemara is going to begin with, again, we're going back to the Gemara that we learned yesterday on Daf Samach Beis, Amad Beis, about 10 lines from the bottom, the two dots for those just logging on. The Gemara is going to ask, how do we know that the obligation of Kefel, the obligation of paying back double, applies both to animate as well as inanimate objects? So here we go. We're going to, re- we're going to go back and start the Gemara again. Sa- says the Gemara, how do we know that you pay back double both on animate as well as inanimate objects? The Tana Rabbanu, because the rabbis learn social. We I'll call the bar pesha when somebody steals. You pay back for everything you're negligent with. Klal, this is a general statement. You always pay back double. I'll shar for an ox. I'll chamar a donkey. I'll set for a sheep. Be al salmon for a garment. That's when you pay back double. Prat, we're mentioning things specifically. So first I say, anything you take, you pay double. Then I give, spe- then I'm specific with four items. Then the verse says, I'll call Aveda. For anything which is lost, and this is again referring to when you stole something, uh, sometimes you could claim something is lost or stolen, and it turns out you stole it yourself. For example, somebody deposits it by you. So Chazar Uklal, we then have another general expression of when you pay back double. So what happens? We have a klal, a general statement, a prat, a specific statement, and then a klal, a general statement again. The rule is, the way to make a drusha from such a scenario, when the Torah is general, then mentions specifics, and then mentions general again, the rule is, it's letting us know that the general expressions of, I'll call Devar Pesha, everything, it's going to be limited to things that are similar to that which is specified. In other words, it seems like everything, but then we mention things specifically. And then we say, it's everything. Why'd you do that? Because it's not everything, but it's also it's also not only these things specifically. So why did I mention these things specifically? To tell me that when do I know to include the general categories, it has to be things that share a common denominator with all of the specified items. Which means... Just like all four examples that the verse gave, that the Pasuk gave, are things that are movable and have intrinsic value. An animal has intrinsic value. A 
um, a uh, uh, an animal and a garment are all movable. Now, what do I mean by intrinsic value? Certain things do not have intrinsic value. For example, stocks are speculation. A document, a document uh, stating that somebody an IOU, that paper itself does not have intrinsic value. It represents something else's value. But if you steal a piece of paper, you may have just stole like a twentieth of a cent. Okay, so but all four of these things share these common denominators that they're movable, and they have intrinsic value. So I've called over. I'm a top of When do we say you pay back double on anything in the general category? Anything which is movable and has intrinsic value. Yatsu karkais, which means if I steal real estate, I do not pay back double. Sheina metaltalim because it's not movable. Yatsu avadim, and it also excludes eved kenani. Canaanite uh, servants, Shehokshulikarkais, they're considered real estate, and I also would not pay back double if I if I steal somebody's Evid Kanani. And also Yatsu Stares, this is going to exclude documentation, because even though they're movable in Guf and Mum and they represent something else's value, they don't have intrinsic value. So you would not pay back double for stealing land. You would not pay back double for stealing an Evid Kanani. You would not pay back double for stealing a document. And Yatsa Hektish, I also would not pay back double if I steal from Hektish because Re'euksiv, it says when you steal from your friend, you pay back double. And Hektish is not my friend. Okay. So the Gemara had asked, what's the source? That you pay back double on animate and inanimate. We brought a verse. But you should know, says the, the Gemara, that even using these verses, there's rules around the verses. Okay? There's parameters. Uh, there's parameters uh, There's parameters around it, which is it has to have intrinsic value and be movable. Says the Gemara, one second, I have a question. All these things mentioned, all the animals mentioned, their carcasses, after the animal dies, give off impurity. We should say only uh, only uh, animals like uh, ox, sheep, and donkey that give off impurity. You should pay back double if their carcass gives off impurity. But maybe if I steal a bird, let's say I go to your chicken coop and I steal your chicken, maybe I shouldn't pay back double. Because the when it dies... The, the carcass of a bird doesn't give off impurity. Says the Gemara, Umi you, you can't say that a bird, you don't pay back double because its carcass doesn't give off tumma, and I'll prove it to you. You know why? Because what was the fourth case of the verse that you pay back double? A salma, a garment. A garment doesn't give off impurity, and still you pay back double. It says a garment. So you see that it's not dependent on the, uh, it's, it's not dependent on the carcass giving off Impurity. So Amri, they said, Anan Kamri, no, 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 no. Garment is different. Garment is not a live is not an animate object. What we want to say is whenever you steal an animate object, maybe only pay back double when if dead, it would give off impurity and it would still exclude a bird. Which means if it was a living entity that now died, maybe you only pay back double if its carcass gives off impurity. But a bird, you should not. Because you could make a with each specified thing which is there. Which means, 
a ox, a donkey, a uh, a, a sheep, but not a bird. So we're back to our question. The Gemara wants to know, why did our Mishnah say anything you steal, whether animate or inanimate, you pay back double? Maybe a bird, you should not pay back double. Answers the Gemara, no. If all we were coming to do is to tell me that it has to be something similar to a carcass which gives off impurity, I only need to mention an ox or a donkey or a sheep. Why did I mention all three? For the fact that I mentioned all three is coming to include birds. This is where we left off yesterday. Okay? This is where we pick up. Zok the Gemara. One second. You want to say that there's a reason why... You want to say there's a reason why we listed all three? An ox, a donkey, and a sheep. Why? To include birds. One second. Hey, Nichtai Brachmana. Which one of the three would you have theoretically wanted the verse to write? You said, oh, why'd you write all three? That's a proof, even birds. Because you shouldn't have written three. Says Gemara, oh, really? I shouldn't have written three? Let me ask you a question. Which one should I sh- should we have left should we have written and which one should we have left out? If you wanted the Torah to only say, when you steal an axe, you pay back double. I would think only a kosher axe that gets brought on top of the Mizbeach, do you pay back double? But I would say Shain Karvagamizbeach light. But anything that cannot be brought on the Mizbeach, you would not pay. You, you would not pay back. You, you would not pay double. Which means a sheep, a goat, an ox, a calf, a bull. Then you pay back double. But what about a deer, kosher deer? Would I, let's say I steal a deer. Would I pay back double? No, you don't pay back double because it's not brought on, the, on top of the Mizbeach. So, and that we know that's not true. <clears throat> you do pay double even on things that are not brought as sacrifices. So I can't just write ox. And if you wanted the Torah to only write donkey and say, oh, you pay back donkey. Well, let me tell you, a donkey is non-kosher. However, it's fascinating that a donkey is an animal. It's a, it is an animal which the firstborn donkey has purity, has kedusha, has kedusha's pidyon petachamar. You pay back. So I would say the only time, if the Torah would say you pay back a double when you steal a donkey, I would say, oh, donkeys, because there's holiness. On its firstborn, but an animal that doesn't have firstborn holiness, you do not pay back double. Um, in that which is the firstborns are holy, you pay back double. But if the firstborns are not uh, holy, you don't pay back double. And we know it's not true. So says the Gemara, we needed to write ox, we needed to write donkey. Amri, they said, See, it could have said. If a person steals an ox and a donkey, Salamali, I'll tell you which one's extra that didn't need to be written. Sheep. Sheep's not adding me in. What's sheep? Brought on the altar? So is an ox brought on the altar. The verse didn't need to write sheep. And since it writes sheep, you know what that's coming to include? Birds. We have an extra word in the verse to come and tell me that even birds are included. Says the Gemara, one second. Granted, the word sheep in the verse of paying back double is extra. Got it. However, maybe the word sheep is coming to include kosher birds. Why? Because kosher birds are similar to kosher sheep. The, the, the carcass of a kosher bird gives off tumma when you swallow. 
but a non-kosher bird, a raven, for example, that doesn't give off any impurity, and it's not going to make the clothes that I'm wearing impure upon swallowing, maybe you do not pay back double for stealing, um, maybe I shouldn't pay back double for stealing non-kosher birds. So the Gemara says, you're right. You're right. Seh itself is not enough to tell me that all birds, when stolen, I pay back double. So therefore, says the Gemara, kol ribuyehu. When it says kol devar pesha, all matters of negligence or responsibility, that means to include everything. Now what the Gemara wants to do with this is really circumvent everything we say. I mean, you don't forget the whole thing. Just forget. Forget that we said it was the verses and the this and the seb being and the word seb being extra. You know how we know that you always pay back double? Because it says kol. Kol means everything. Even if it's not exactly similar to the ox, donkey, and sheep. Says the Gemara, Whenever you use the word all, does that mean literally everything? But by when it comes to halacha of giving, of tithing, is that you should tithe from everything. And we know it doesn't literally mean everything. Because let's go through the laws now. The sources of what, when you take, when you separate Meiser Shani, the second tithing. Now let's remind ourselves. There was something called Meiser Rishon. Meiser Rishon means the first tithing, which is off the top. When you person has produce or animals born in the land of Israel, you have a hundred new sheep born to your flock. You're going to separate ten. You're going to tithe ten, and that's called Meiser Rishon. That goes to the levy. There are certain years in the Shemitah cycle where not only... Do you tithe the Maiserishon? You're now going to separate Maiserishon, which is you take from the remaining 90 that you now have an additional 10%. So you're going to take nine out of the remaining amount. And you bring that to Yerushalayim and eat it with your friends and family inside Yerushalayim. Now, which things, which items are we obligated to, to take the, to separate Maiserishon from the second tithing? So here we go. You should give money in exchange for all the Meiser Shani food for for everything that you want. Okay, whatever your heart desires. Which means that, this is a general statement. If let's say I have Meiser Shani animals, Meiser Shani food, it has to come to Yerushalayim to be eaten. And I don't want to stop at Yerushalayim. So you exchange it for money, you take the money to Yerushalayim, and then you buy the food in Yerushalayim and, and eat the food there. So klal, that's a general statement. What call asher basically whatever you want. When do you take my sersheni from cattle, from sheep, from wine, new wine and old wine? Prat, that we're saying there are specific items that you take my sersheni from. And then it says, Whatever your soul wants from you, you take my Sersheni. That's a general statement again. So we have a general statement, and then we say specifics, and then we have a general statement. So we have also a klalu pradu klal. I'm general, then I'm specific, and then I'm general. The halacha is, What's included in the general statement? Only things that are similar to that which we specified. Which is, Just like that which is specified what do we say? Animals and new wine and old wine. All these things get their nutrition from the ground. And they come from a previous thing. 
you can only plant grapes from grapes. You can only plant wheat from wheat. You can only get an animal from an animal. It's not something that doesn't come, uh, that, that comes uh, separately. It's a premi pre. It grows from something else. I've called pre and pre. You can do like karka. When do you separate my sashini? Something, when uh, something comes from a previous generation, we'll call it. By animals, it's an animal. By, by uh, fruits, it's the previous seed. <coughs> Over there, you take my sashini. Now, what's the bottom line? Why are we mentioning all this? Because by my sashini, we use the word kol. We use the word all. And you see that even though we use the word all, it's not such a broad term. We're still limiting it to specific, uh, to specific items. So why did we say before that the word kol is coming to include everything in paying double? Right, we said, how do you know you pay for animate and inanimate? So we had a whole Gemara. Then the Gemara said, hey, you know what, it got, it's got to be wrong. I mean, uh, come on. Uh, the only thing you have extra is uh, is se, and se can't include every bird. It should only include kosher birds. So you're right. It's kol. Kol means everything. So kol doesn't mean everything. Because we find by my sashini, even when you use the Hebrew word kol, which means all, it doesn't literally mean everything. All it means by my sashini is fruits and animals. Amri, they answered, bachol klala kol rivoyu. The word bachol is a general term. And the word kol is a inclusive term. Okay? So by us, by stealing, it says kol. Kol is a general term. A general term is really broad. But bakol, I'm sorry, uh, bak, right, by us it says kol. That's a riboy. Bakol is a general term which only includes certain things. Vibayasema, or if you want, you could say kol klalahu. That the word kol means a general term. Usually the word kol is, is darshaned as a klalu pradu klal. But over here it happens to be that it's darshaned as a miut, riboy umiut. It happens to be that it's darshaned in, in a different way. Why? Let's see. Before we said, let's turn out as a klalu pradu klal. When a man gives his friend klal. That is referring, that, that is uh, anybody, right? Any man. Gives uh, gives his friend fine. Now that is referring to um, uh, when I'm watching something on your behalf because you deposited it by me and it's stolen from my house. So any the, when we find the ganav, he's going to shal- uh, he's going to pay back double. So somebody gives his friend an item. Klal. Anybody happens and now leads to a theft, you pay back double. Kasevakelim. But then the verse says, not that you gave the shomer the watcher anything. You gave him money or kalim or a vessel. Prat, I'm now being specific. Lishmar, you deposited it by me to watch. To watch what? It doesn't say. So that's also a general term again. So we have a general term, a specific term, and now a general term. Hadaru klal. We're going back to the generalized expression. Now, the Isoka Daita, Chai Al Kol Dvar Pesha, Nami the Chalu Pradu Dasa. So you're going to say over here, Al Kol Dvar Pesha. You pay back double is referring to a klalu prat. It says a beautiful question. The Taira could have already had a klalu pradu klal without using the word kol at all. Because we already have a klalu pradu klal. Again, it says when you give, when you deposit by, you deposit by somebody anything. And then it says money or a vessel. Specific. To watch anything. 
I already have my Kalu protocol. Why do I need to you why do I need to have the word call at all? I'll call the Barpesha Lomali. Why are you even using the word I'll call Pesha? It's not coming to be an inclusive term. I already have my inclusive terms. Shmamino Ribuyhu. It's coming to let me know that specifically over here, because I already have a Klalu Pradoklal, it must be coming as a miut riboy umiut. It must be coming to be inclusive. Now, let's just clarify. When a gen- when a broad term is in the Torah, there's two ways to darshan it. As a klal, as a general term, or it could be used to be inclusive. Okay? Now, what's the difference? The difference is, just translate the words, right? General, you're just giving a broad overview of a category. <coughs> Excuse me. Inclusive means I'm drawing more things in. I'm, I'm here to include. I'm here to, to add to what's here. Okay? So, if the word call here is coming to be an inclusive term, that means that kefel double is not going to be limited to only living entities that carcasses give off impurity. An inclusive term is going to say, you know what? Everything. Not that this is a general term that has to be understood. This is inclusive. Inclusive of? Kol. So bottom line, at this point, what the Gemara wants to say is, this is going to be our source for our mission on yesterday, the first mission of our parak, which said, anything that's stolen through theft, undercover, you're going to pay back double. Uh, Kalu Pardo Klaus says only certain things? I know, but this is a reboy. The word kol says reboy, which means everything. Says the Gemara, Hashdam recall reboy who kol hani proti lamali. One second. Says the Gemara, fine. You got me. But now we have an elephant in the room that needs to be explained. And what's the elephant in the room? Very simple. The past almost an entire Dafa Gemara. Because what are we saying now? We're saying that the word kol means you steal anything, you pay back double. Well, what did the Torah say? Look at the verse in the Torah. It says when you steal an ox, a sheep, a donkey, a garment. And we had a whole chain of events. I'm trying to understand this. Ask the Gemara, one second, if it's everything... Why, what happened to all the Torah we just learned? And what's with the verse specifying anything? All the Torah needs to say, when you steal, through theft, you pay double. Kolhani Lomali, why do I need all these ribuyim? Kolhani Prati Lomali, why do I need all these exclusion? What do I got to mention everything for? Why is the verse even mentioning anything specific? If I steal a pen, I pay double. If I steal an axe, I pay double. If I steal a bird, I pay double. If I steal a tissue box, I pay double. If I steal a coat, what, why are you mentioning anything? Everything, you always pay double. Says the Karka, I'll tell you why we're mentioning it. Even though it does include everything, but it's not everything. Why? Here we go. Again, the Pusik mentions four things. Axe, sheep, donkey, garment. Says the Gemara. An axe means... You don't pay double if you steal real estate. It's not movable. You don't pay double. Now, how do you steal real estate? You can't really grab it. You can't move it. 
but you can kick somebody off their land, or if somebody you you see somebody's not using their land and you go and you move on it, okay, there there is times where we're going to take it back from you, or if you ruined it, you'll pay, but you're not going to pay double. The chadlimuti avadim, another one's coming to exclude and have a kanani because that's similar to land. The chadlimuti staris, another one's coming to exclude documents. Salma and the word salma garment lemute davar sheinu mesuyim. It's coming to tell us that you that uh, you only pay double on something that has a simon, something that has a mark on it, which clearly identifies that this is the item that was uh, that was stolen. Al veda and everything which is uh, which was lost from him. If you leave a deposit of a diamond ring by me. And you come to get it, and I'm like, sorry, someone stole it. And it turns out it's not true. I just wanted to keep it. Or I said it was lost, and it turns out that it was, I held on to it. You do pay back double. As it says, Anytime you claim something is lost, and it's really stolen, um, there's going to be a chiyuv of of a double payment. Okay. Now, the Gemara is going to shift and get into this halacha of a watchman who claims that something was lost or stolen, and it turns out that it really wasn't. How do we handle it? Now, why would he be different than any other thief? Because really, it by usual theft... I take it from your domain. Over here, it entered my domain in a lawful way. I'm just holding on to it for longer in an unlawful way. So the way that it came into me, either way, everybody agrees I certainly need to pay back, but since it came to my domain in a way that wasn't theft, maybe there's no double payment. So let's see. We learned in the mission that somewhere else. The one who deposited it says, Hey, Rabbianko, I gave you a diamond ring. Where is it? Where's my Pekadin? Where's the deposit I gave you? And Yankel says, Avad, it was lost. I'm sorry. So the guy says, Ani, I want you to swear. Swear about it. That that's what happened. The Amar and the guardian says, Amen. Amen means, I agree. I accept it. Um, and then, Adam come along and they say, Hey, you know, Yankel, he actually ate what you deposited by him. So let's move the case from, uh, let's shift the case over from a, uh, a diamond ring to a challah. Okay? I, you deposited a challah by Yankel. And Yankel says, not here. Then witnesses come. We saw Yankel eating the challah. The halacha is, Mishali Mesakaren, Yankel has to pay back the value of the challah. Okay? Now it seems that you're not going to pay back double. Hayda al What if he admits? Okay? What if he admits that Lamaisi ate the challah before any witnesses came? Mishalim Karen Chaymish Vashem. He's going to pay back the, the Karen, the principal amount of the challah. Plus, he has to add on a fifth. Okay? Plus, he brings a carbon asham. A guilt offering. Why? Because he, he's telling us that he swore falsely. He swore. And he swore falsely. 
And now he's like, uh, you know, I, I, I need to do tshuva. Okay, Baruch Hashem, you admitted. I'm gonna, here's how you're going to get your kapar. He's going to get your atonement. You're going to pay back the karen, the principal amount, plus a chaymish, plus you're going to bring a sacrifice. Okay, next case. Where is my item that I gave to you? Omar lay nignav. Yankul says it was stolen. Mashbiachani, swear to me. Vyomar Amen. He says, Yup, no problem. And witnesses come along and say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yankul stole it. It wasn't stolen by anybody else. He's right, it was stolen by himself. Misham Dashlomi Kefel. Yankul's going to have to pay back double. But if he didn't, uh, if there weren't witnesses saying that he stole it, but he shows up and he's like, You know what? I got to do tshuva. I'm really just holding on to it. It wasn't really stolen. Then Mishalim Karen Asham, he does not pay double. He pays back the principal, he pays back the fifth, and the Asham. Katani Mia, but the bottom line is we learned Batayantine is Gaina, but somebody claims I'm supposed to watch your art your your article, your item, and you come to claim it, and now I say that it was stolen to Mishalim Tashlomi Kefa. We said I'm gonna the Yankel's gonna pay back double. Avo Batayantine is Avad, but if I claim that it was lost, we didn't mention anywhere in the Mishnah that you're going to pay back double. We just, you're either going to pay back the principal amount or you're going to pay back the principal amount with the fifth and the guilt offering. There's no talk about when you claim that it was lost about paying double at all. And even if you claim that it was stolen, only only when he swears and then he's busted with witnesses does he pay back double. But without a shua, he doesn't pay kefal. And what's the source for all these halachas? Because rabbis learn, that's why the rabbis. Incredible. Somebody deposits money by Yankel. And Yankel says it was stolen. And guess what? It was stolen. We caught the thief. The halacha is, he pays double. What is that? Ta- now, what's going to happen? This is even true when... A person, Yankul, claimed that it was stolen. And that and it actually wasn't stolen. Says If you're explaining that's the case, how do you know? Maybe the whole verse is just dealing with an, an actual thief. So when it says if you don't catch the Ganav, because that's talking about a case where he claimed it was a Ganav. And therefore, since that's certainly dealing with a case where we're referring to the claim of the watchman. So to the other case that demands double payment is referring to a watchman. It's not dealing with somebody who is a a regular ganav. Tanya Idach, who learned the Rebrisa similarly, if the ganav is found after this claim of it being stolen, maybe it means an actual thief pays double. You're telling me it means an actual thief pays double. Maybe you only pay double by somebody who claims that it was stolen and it turns out it wasn't. Once we say, oh, and if the ganav is not found, that's certainly a case of claim. How is that going to be fulfilled? It's going to, so it'll, it'll be fulfilled to Kuli Alma Mias because everybody agrees that in the part of the puzzle which says that if you never find the thief, it must be, what do you mean you didn't find the thief? So how'd you know it was stolen? See, we keep talking about it. If you didn't find the thief, it must be when the guy claimed it was stolen. Why? The answer is because otherwise nothing happened here. How'd you know somebody just lost an object? How do you know the, the item was stolen? Who says it was stolen? Who told us? It must be it was by a watchman, and the watchman's claiming that it was stolen. 
So im loyim matzia ganav, the ganav's not found. My mashma, where do you get from this? Amar Rav, Rav explains im loyim matzia kamash amar. If you don't find the ganav, then it is like we said. Al kishehu atzmai ganvoi, but. What does it mean? Nobody else stole it, but you know who did steal it? The watchman. What's the halacha then? Yeshalim shnayim. The watchman is going to pay back double. Umanolun de And how do you know that he has to first take an oath that it was stolen and then get busted, that he pays back double? To Tanya, because we learned in her bride. So, Vinikrav, Balabayas, Elalayim, Lishvua. Over here, the word is Elayim because it's referring to Bezdin. So the watchman comes in front of a, of the Bezdin to take an oath. How do you know that the watchman's coming to Bezdin to take an oath and say, I'm telling you it was stolen, it's not my fault. Maybe he's being come to Bezdin to actually pay. We're looking for his Zell number. It says the word below. Now this is referring to a case where if let's say we hire Yankul to watch our object, and Yankel claims it was stolen. So, Yankel, um, one of the factors that are going to play in over here is whether or not Yankel was shlichas yad, whether he sent his hand to it, which means whether he made personal use of it. Okay? So, he's going to have to, when he wants to swear to get off the hook, he's going to say not only that it was stolen... He's going to say that he wasn't Sheleach Yad. He never sent his hand on the item. He never personally used it or gained anything personally from it. V'namar, Shlichas Yad Lamala. And it says, Shlichas Yad also by a Shomer Chinam. Okay? Also. Which teaches me, Mala Lombeshvua, just like by a Shomer Sachar, when somebody's paid to watch something. Why is he coming to Bezdin to take an oath and absolve himself from paying? Afkan Lishvua. So to by Yeshua Merchinam, who's not being paid, when he comes to Bezdin, he's coming and he's going to say, it was stolen. Now why is he claiming it was stolen? Because he's going to be off the hook. An unpaid watchman is not is not on the hook for something which is stolen. So why are we dragging him to Bezdin? To take an oath, obviously. So this is why the this is why the Shimer showed up in front of uh, in front of court. It makes sense if you say that one of our psukim is talking about an actual thief. Another psukim is teaching one who claims there was a thief. That's why I need two psukim. Which two psukim? So this is going back to earlier. Earlier we said, if you find the ganav, here's the halacha. And if you don't find the ganav, why do you got to tell me the flip side? Usually all you need to say is one side, and you'll understand the other side. Like for example... So beginning of uh, uh, right, beginning of daf today. So Reb David Markowitz comes on, and he says, uh, "Rabbi, you've been living in your car. Where are you? Where are you?" So my first answer was in my car. Okay. Now, um, I'll tell you why I answered that first. It's because I learned to say that from my mother, Zechariah My mother was very makbid. And she guided us on this, and my wife and I do this. She, she, she was very makbid, and she would tell us it's very important that children do not know where their parents are at all times. Interesting, right? I love that. You heard that? So when we would ask my mother, my mother would walk out of the house. We'd say, "Ma, where you're going?" 
And she would say, I'm going to take care of your mother. That's it. And sometimes she would say, I'm, in, I'm going to my car. And it's, basically, it's none of your business where I am. And she felt it's important that children do not always know where parents are because there's going to be times in your relationship where there's where it demands privacy. And children don't always have to expect to know where parents are. For example, let's say their mother's going to a mikvah. Let's say their father is going to a, a, a personal meeting. Let's say another child has to go see a therapist. Let's say there's something, and there's it's not not everything is everybody's uh, is everybody's information, and sometimes people ask questions that are beyond their rights to know. So she 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 uh, would actually tell us that it's important that even if you're in a situation where you don't mind people knowing where you are, you don't always have to tell them because people have to get used to like knowing that. You know, they don't have to know where you are at all times. So sp- specifically, she said this with children. Specifically, she said this with children. So I learned to say that when my kids ask me where I am, Ta, where are you? So I've learned to, at not always, but at times I tell them I'm in my car. Or Davka, I'll purposely say a place where they don't really know where I am. And even if I don't mind, because there are times where I do mind. There's times where my wife does mind. And it should. you don't want to wait for that time for them to start being, oh, you must be whatever. Okay? But be it as it may. After I gave that answer, that was my little tangent. After I gave that answer, I said, I'm in Chicago. Now let's bring this back full circle to the Gemara. If I tell you I'm in Chicago, okay, everybody here on Zoom, we have a nice chavra here, realizes, even the ones who usually come in person, that I'm not in shul. Do I need to say I'm in Chicago, I'm not in shul. Unnecessary. Unnecessary, exactly. It's pretty much redundant, unless there's a unique reason to say the second half of the phrase. But otherwise, you you got the, you, you got the picture. We have this in the Torah. It says, Yaakov left Be'er Sheva and went to Haran. All the commentators and the Gemara immediately asks, just tell me he went to Haran and I know he's not in Be'er Sheva. So there's a whole drasha to learn from that. The reason why it said he left Beersheba is to teach us the impact that's left when you leave a city. It's not just you go to another city. The whole city, the place where you left is impacted. A whole ganze reason. Okay? But this logic over here is where the, is, is where the Gemara is coming from when it asks and it says, um, why is it necessary to say, if the thief is found, then this is the halacha. And if the thief is not found, it's redundant. Just tell me one side, one pasuk, and I'll know all the other, uh, and, I, and I know the flip side, okay? So that's the uh, long introduction to this next step of the Gemara. Let's go back one line. Here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Is Dr. Gemara Bish? Uh huh. Rabbi, is yeah. it okay to tell my uh, daughter when I leave the house, when she says, Where are you going? Can I say none of your business? You could say, I'm going to take care of your dad, or you could say, None of your business. It depends how she's going to take it. Everybody, everybody, everybody at each stage. But you know, Bez Hashem, Bez Hashem, you know, when uh, it, it's a good chinuch, it's a good chinuch, not only for, for, for children, but for other people, for other people as well. Sometimes you'll have people, they simply don't have enough seichel and chachma to know when they're overstepping their boundaries with a question. Again, we're, we're not everybody's Rebbe, so you always want to answer in a menschlich way. But there is times where it might be appropriate to give off a message where you're you're a little bit vague and 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 sometimes and and 
you know, sometimes, you know, we, we find the Gemara above a Metziah. <laughs> About this, we're all just going to the Tumblr's house. You better believe it. If you want a party, go to my house right now. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. No question about it. Um, but uh, the uh, there there is a time where the Gemara Bab Metziah tells us where uh, a Talmud Chacham, a person of integrity, knows to not give over the full truth in matters of privacy. The Gemara, the Gemara Bab Metziah says there's three areas of information that a person with integrity knows not to tell the truth. One area, one area is when it comes to how much Torah you know. For example, the Gemara says if if somebody asks you, do you know so much Torah and that they're going to be like impressed, you're allowed to be humble and say you don't know it even when you do know it. Okay, You're allowed to be modest. You're allowed to change from the truth and be modest when it comes to Torah learning. The second time you're allowed to change from the truth is to protect others' financial well-being. The example the Gemara gives is hospitality. If you know that somebody is very, very generous in certain ways and somebody comes to you and you know that they're the type of person that that uh, takes advantage of other people's generosity and they say to you, they say to me, oh, Tendler, I heard you were in uh, Markowitz's house. You know, uh, what, what's it like over there? And I know your house is just like, so much stuff going on and and you have the best food and anybody who comes over you just like give your life over to I'm allowed to say eh, I don't recommend going there because <laughs> because I'm doing it to protect your and your family's well-being otherwise this person is going to take advantage of you and hurt you okay that's the second area where you're allowed to turn and the third it. area the Gemara says is Bipuria when it comes to Privacy and family matters. Okay? Privacy and family matters. Even though we, a person doesn't want to lie, you're allowed to change from the you're allowed to change from the truth. Somebody calls the house, and this is something we have to train you know, I train my children with. Somebody says, uh, where's your mother? Where's your mother? So what I heard one of my daughters once answer the phone, and it's a great chinuch opportunity. Right? Somebody called for my wife and said, uh, is is uh, your mother there? And my daughter must have been six or seven. She said, no, my mother's in the shower. Okay. That was fine. So, okay. So the person said, okay, I'll, I'll call back later. So afterwards, I, you know, I told my daughter, I said, I said, you know, what you said was true and it's nice, but when people are in the shower, that is something that's a little private. Okay. Nothing wrong with it. It's good. You take showers, right? But you don't. You shouldn't be saying your mother's in the shower. You could say my mother's not available. My mother's not available. People don't have to know like what's going on. Okay, that was again. You have to make sure your child understands and that. But there's a nuance to things. You can say my mother's not available. So the person actually called back, and my wife still either was coming out of the shower or whatever it was. So my daughter said to the woman, "My mother's not available." So the person said, well, where is she? And my daughter just looked at me. She was on speaker. She's like, you know, like, what do I say? I said, so, so I was like, just just tell her she's she's not available. And the person said, my daughter's not available. The person says, where is she? My daughter's like, 
because <laughs> she's like seven years old. Like you, I just told her she's not allowed to say like in the shower, you know. So she now she's like stuck. Somebody, some adult is telling her what to say, you know. So I didn't know what to tell her at the time. I said, just push end, <laughs> just hang up, like just push end. Um, Lamaisa, practically speaking. You could make up a Bubba Misa and it wouldn't be called Sheker. You could make up. There's times where people don't know when to stop. But where is she? What's she doing? If you're not privy to that information, the person on the giving end does not need to give you that information. And if you keep pushing like a nudnik, that doesn't obligate them even more. The Gemara says you don't need, you're allowed to change from the truth. Now you want to minimize it. You could just say, well, she's not available. I'm sorry. Or you could say, I'm not sure, even when you are sure, because this person just doesn't stop. It doesn't obligate me to give over private information just because you're asking inappropriate questions. So that's another area that that uh, that it's uh, that the Gemara says uh, you don't have to give the uh, the direct truth. Okay, let's let's go back back into this Gemara. Says Gemara, Bishwa Laman Damar Chad Beganov. It makes sense according to the one who said that one side is talking about a Ganov, a Chad Tani is Ganov, and the other one's talking about not an actual thief, but somebody who claims it was stolen and it wasn't. I get why I need two psukim and it's not redundant. But if you're going to tell me they're both referring to a scenario of where it was deposited by one person and he claims, why do I need two psukim? One is coming to say when he claims it was lost and it really wasn't lost. So there's nothing extra. He has both psukim. How does he know that if the watchman says lies and says that it was lost and it really wasn't lost? So what does that mean? It was actually stolen by him because he wants to hold on to it. How do I know that you're obligated to pay double? The extra hay of haganov. Any ganov. The ganov. According to the other opinion, that already learned, you know, already learned everything out from also Tayantinus Avad, he learned that out from the extra Pasuk. So, what does he use the extra hay for? He's going to say, That extra hay is learned to teach me the, the halacha quoted by Rechiel Barabba. Because somebody claims that it was stolen from him and it really wasn't. You pay back double. Then the guy shechs it or sells it. You pay back four or five times the amount. So the extra hay is teaching me the four or five times if you shechs it or steal. How does he know the Allah of paying back four or five times? He already uses the letter hay. How does he know that if I claim it was stolen and then it turns out I lied and then I go ahead and not only did I, not only did I steal it but I slaughter it or I sell it that I pay back four or five times, how does, what's his source? I'm like, he's going to say, it's a hekesh, there's two psukim juxtaposed to each other. What are the two verses? One, when you claim it was stolen. One, when you claim it was lost. And since I know when you claim it was stolen, you pay four or five times, so to when I claim it was lost, you pay back four or five times. Okay, if you're going to tell me, that there's any two separate verses. One for when I claim it was lost. One when I claim it was stolen. I get this whole approach. The whole thing is when you claimed it was stolen, and nothing's dealing with when you claimed it was lost. God of How does you know an actual thief pays back double? Maybe you only pay double when you claim it was stolen, but not when you actually steal. Says Gemara, what? 
Wouldn't wouldn't that be logic? If you're going to tell me, whoa, if you claim it was stolen, you pay back double. Certainly, when he actually stole, you should pay back double. No, I love and I didn't. A kavachaymer should be limited to its source, which is malam When I claimed it was stolen, you know what else I did? I took an oath. And after I took an oath, I pay back double if I'm caught. But when you actually steal, you got to pay back double even without any sort of oath. Afkam b'shvua. Why is that? Maybe you're only back double if you actually take uh, an oath. So it must be that the reason why a regular thief pays back double is not because it's being learnt out from a gun of claim. An actual gun of must be paying double for a different reason. We learn it out from Rav Chizkiah's halacha. The Torah of Chizkiah, they learned in the yeshiva of Chizkiah. Yaimar shar ugneva v'akol b'chlal. The Torah could have only said when things were stolen that if you steal an ox, you pay back double and everything else would have been included. Okay. This is the beginning of a, another uh, additional conversation of the of Chizkiah, which tomorrow's Amad Aleph is going to approach. But uh, we'll hold it here for today. Besham, pick up 9.30 uh, a.m. tomorrow. And the Gemara here, again, just, just to remind ourselves of how we're ending off, is that we don't have an actual source for a Ganav to pay double. We have a source that when you when a watchman claims it was stolen, he pays double. But we don't have an actual source that a Ganav himself pays back double. We thought maybe I'll learn it out from a claimed theft. We said that can't be because a claimed theft needs an oath, and we know a regular thief is going to pay double without an oath. So Chizka is going to come along and create a new source of how we know an actual thief pays back double. And we will pick up from Nafkalei Mitton to Bechizkiah again tomorrow morning on Arab Shabbos. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. Rabbi? Yeah.